May it please the listeners. My name is Rich Schoenstein, and this is Law Brief. I am here today with my partner, Debbie Bernstein. Hello, Debbie. Hey, Rich. We're here today to discuss an issue that continues to confront us as an outgrowth of the COVID-19 pandemic, and that has to do with lease obligations. And to frame our discussion, we're going to talk about commercial leases, meaning leases of businesses, and what is happening with those leases in light of the pandemic and the fact that, frankly, a lot of businesses stopped paying rent last year, right, Debbie? That's right, Rich, unfortunately. And I gather that that, that situation continues, that we're still looking at a lot of commercial tenants who are unable to pay rent or or simply aren't paying rent. It definitely continues. And in fact, it's uh, probably going to start getting a little worse before the situation turns around. And when we talk about commercial tenants, we're talking about everything from restaurants to retail shops to businesses with office space. Is that right? That's exactly right. So we're basically talking about everything except for residents, except for your home. So any type of business space that's, that's rented. We're hopeful now. We have some vaccines that are out there and we're beginning that process, but we're still a long way from this being over. So tell us, Debbie, you know, what what happens now? It's January of 2021. We're, I, I don't know, 10 months down the road of when this all started. So what happens if you have a commercial tenant who hasn't been paying rent all that time. So it's been a, it's really been a problem rich for tenants and landlords. And, you know, we've seen this from both sides. The best situation is for both sides to negotiate and try to work something out. And that's what a lot of landlords and tenants are trying to do to see if, I mean, that's the first and best option is to try to, to work it out, to forgive some rent um, to allow, unfortunately, if the business just can't survive and go forward, to allow the tenant to leave without coming after them for rent that's due. Maybe they'll pay a small amount and be able to leave it out of their lease. Uh, we're seeing agreements where there's some creativity in some of these agreements. In some situations, there may be a lease restructuring, tying the amount of rent to profits and, and, and things of that nature. In, in other words, in a good situation, a landlord and a tenant can sit down and figure out a way around this problem. That's right. And that's the really the first thing that should be addressed and both sides should try to accomplish some type of a, of a workout. And part of that for the landlord, you know, some of them might be thinking, well, why do I want to agree to waive rent? Why would I do that? I can just, I have my legal rights. I have a lease. I can go after the tenant and enforce the lease. But as a practical matter, it's very slow there. The governor has been issuing executive orders barring eviction proceedings from going forward. We are likely to see further extensions. So that's probably going to still be happening for a while where evictions can't go forward. However, eviction proceedings can be commenced in the court. So the landlord can bring a lawsuit to try to regain possession and um, of the premises and 
to get a money judgment for any rent that's owed. But the eviction process, there are steps that have to be taken to actually evict, evict a tenant, and that process isn't going forward. So even though a landlord can bring an action, it's really not going to go anywhere. And because of all of this, there's been a really huge backlog in New York, and I'm sure in other states as well. So once it gets going and evictions can proceed again, it's going to take a really long time for the landlord to recover possession if they go that route, the traditional route of bringing a, an eviction proceeding in landlord-tenant court. Right. Those, those proceedings were not necessarily noted for their speed in the best of times. And now you have New York courts, which uh, I believe had a $300 million budget cut last year and are inundated with claims. And so even when these claims ripen, we think it's going to be a very slow road. Is that fair to say? It's fair to say. I'd say at least a year. If a proceeding is commenced now, it probably probably would be at least a year until a judgment of possession can be obtained and, and an eviction. But we also have to see how far out the executive order keeps getting extended on the evictions. So there's another option for landlords that under normal circumstances is, isn't used very often, but during the pandemic, we've seen a lot of landlords going to state Supreme Court, which is different from the, the traditional type of action as an eviction proceeding in landlord-tenant court, the civil court. It's meant to be, as you know, Rich, it is slow in general, but it, it's meant to be a quicker proceeding. So that's normally going to be quicker than going to state Supreme Court. In Supreme, a landlord can bring what's called an ejectment action. And it's basically an eviction, but there's not a mor moratorium on ejectments. So some landlords have been bringing those types of actions recently. And it's, it's just kind of a gamble because... In general, actions in Supreme Court can drag on and take a while. So even if even without a backlog, that would take probably at least a year. So it's just a gamble as to whether which court would be quicker at the end of the day. And it's hard. It's hard to know. Um, we're also seeing a lot of declaratory judgment actions, which we call DJ actions, being brought by both landlords and by tenants. and. Those are actions where the party bringing the lawsuit is seeking a determination from the court. They want the court to rule, for example, the tenants are bringing DJ actions, asking the judge to rule on whether they are entitled to a rent reduction or rent abatement during the period of time that they either had to be closed or lost business because of the pandemic. So we're seeing those types of actions or brought by the landlord um, for a judgment that the tenant does have to pay and for a money judgment. As some of the businesses are impacted by the pandemic to the extent that they're going out of business or into bankruptcy. And uh, I don't think we're going to get into the implications of bankruptcy in this episode, but that can certainly change the scenario as well, right? That's correct. Some, especially some of the larger companies that might have multiple locations are considering or filing for bankruptcy. We won't go into the details of it here, but within the bankruptcy proceeding, 
they have an opportunity to have certain leases rejected or terminated, but guarantors' obligations are usually going to remain. But that is a consideration for some companies to think about. Okay. Let's get into a little bit the substance of the argument. This is the part that really interests me. You have this pandemic. It came from nowhere. It's nobody's fault. Certainly, it's neither the landlord nor the tenant's fault. You have a lease that is predicated on the amount of revenue that the tenant is going to be able to make at that location, be it a store or a restaurant or an office. And you have a landlord who is also in business and is also has a business to sustain and employees to pay and depends on the rent from their commercial facilities uh, as part of their business. So to me, the broad and interesting question is, how do you allocate the loss here that's been sustained by both tenant and landlord? And I guess the first thing one would do, you know, this is law school 101, is look at the contract, right? Look at the lease itself. Exactly. The first thing is to look at the lease. And that's, you know, the most important thing. They're never the same. And there are certain provisions that are often in leases, but not always. And certain modifications might be, have been made to the particular lease. So it's not necessarily going to be a cookie cutter lease. And so you have to look at the terms of the lease. And one provision that's been, uh, a lot of people have been hearing this term lately since the pandemic is force majeure. That's a provision. Yeah, we have, we have, we have heard that. We have heard that <laughs> term a lot more in the last year. I think I heard it in law school and then I heard it again beginning in March of last year, force majeure. Exactly. And that comes up not only in leases, but in all types of contracts. So in leases, well, let me just step back and tell you what that is. So a force majeure provision is basically a provision that anticipates that certain specified events might happen and says what happens to the parties if they do. So the types of events that often might be in a force majeure provision, if it says, you know, if there is a war or rioting or strikes or governmental restrictions, those type of things are often, usually it doesn't say pandemic, but there are several types of events that are usually specified in the lease. And it says if one of those happen and it spells out what happens if there is such an event, for example. Meaning meaning, you, it's not good enough that the lease has the word force majeure in their words. Uh, it has to, you have to read past that to find out what the implications are. That's right. Now, talk to me about a contract that doesn't say anything about pandemics or force majeure or acts of God or anything else that would be helpful or informative. Are there arguments that the tenant can make as to why they should be relieved from their obligation to pay rent? So there are, under common law, common law arguments that are being made by tenants, and we're seeing more and more of these cases And the most predominant arguments are what's called impossibility of performance and frustration of purpose. So it's basically the tenant saying, because of this COVID pandemic, the lease was impossible to perform. I haven't been able to use my space. 
that I leased from the landlord. And so I shouldn't have to pay rent for that period of time. Um, and the frustration of purpose is very similar too. It's it's basically that the whole purpose for the lease for me to use my space as I have a store that I'm running or a restaurant or office space I'm renting, and that that's the purpose of the lease for me to use the space. And the whole purpose has been frustrated because of the pandemic. I can't use it. So therefore I shouldn't have to pay at least for that period of time. Those seem to be blunt about it like long shots to me. Is that a fair assessment? They are. I think there was some kind of optimism around it initially. A lot of people were writing about this, conjecturing, saying these might be good arguments. But we're starting to see in the past couple of months, we've been starting to see some cases coming in, at least in New York. And they're not very good for the tenants. They're much more favorable for the landlords rejecting these types of arguments. But each case has to be looked at on its own facts. So still a work in progress. And I think it'll be being litigated for quite some time. Debbie, I know you've been all over these issues and other issues arising from the pandemic, but tell us a little bit about your everyday legal practice. Sure. Um, Yeah, this has definitely been taking up um, a lot of my time and it's interesting, you know, the past few months, but I work on um, all types of litigation, commercial litigation, a lot of other types of real estate disputes, mortgage foreclosures, lawsuits involving sales of real property, co-op and condo, title insurance issues. It's aside from mortgage foreclosures, other types of loan defaults, uh, breaches of business contracts, and what's called business torts, which is often one business kind of interfering with the business with another business, trademark litigation, probate litigation art restitution. So all types of litigation that's not basically not criminal and not personal injury. A very broad commercial litigation practice. I get it, not dissimilar from my own. We end these episodes with a wrap-up or a closing argument, a takeaway for our listeners on the topic. What would you what would your soundbite be about commercial lease disputes? arising from the COVID-19 pandemic? I guess the soundbite would be that it's really best if the landlord and tenant can work this out. That's what, what we started talking about at the beginning of this podcast. And that's really the way to go for both parties. You know, we're, we're seeing a lot of successful uh, restructuring of leases and other agreements where, um, where the parties can work it out and also where the tenant needs to close its business and leave and the landlord is able to work something out with them. So we're going to be seeing more of that. We're also going to unfortunately be seeing more litigation in this area, but hopefully more situations where the parties can work it out with each other. Right. Because the landlords might have an advantage under the law and the terms of most of these contracts. But at the end of the day, if the tenant goes out of business, it's not that helpful to have an advantage uh, under the law. That's right. I mean, even if you get the judgment of possession and you get a a money judgment, but, um, you know, one of the areas I practice as well is is enforcement of money judgments and it's a piece of paper. So if, if there are no assets to go after, then it's pretty meaningless. 
Well, thank you, Debbie. That's a good survey of that issue, which we're looking at in the courts now and will continue for some time. I appreciate you joining us today. Thanks, Rich. My pleasure. Thank you again for listening to Law Brief. Now here's something lawyerly, a disclaimer. We are not your lawyers. We do not have an attorney-client relationship, and this podcast does not constitute legal advice. If you need legal advice, you should contact and engage counsel of your own choosing who can best address your own situation and particular needs. You can find more information about our law firm, me, and many of our guests at our website, www.tartarkrinsky.com. We are a mid-size, full-service firm located in New York City and New Jersey. If you want to contact us for any reason, be it comments, topic ideas, or anything else, you can email us at podcast at You can also follow this podcast on iTunes, among other places, and we would very much appreciate it if you rate or review us. I'm Rich Schoenstein, and this was Law Brief. Mm-hmm.